the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The psalmist in chapter 73 says, My feet almost slipped as I considered the success of evil people. And then he entered the sanctuary. What is the response for us when we see evil succeeding? Well, let's enter the sanctuary. Grace Bible Church, right here in Hayward. Hi there. Welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. We're back in Judges chapter 7 and 8, looking at the sword of the Lord and Gideon. In the last couple of programs, we've seen that chaos and catastrophe will always follow evil. It may take a few moments. It may take a bit of time. But evil does not succeed. And today, we see the triumph of the sword of the Lord today, the angel of the Lord confounding the enemy, the alarm that draws God's soldiers, and the active pursuit of the foe, the acquisition of God's promise. It's a great lesson we're learning today out of Judges chapter 7. Here's Pastor Jesse and today's Way of Grace. We have apostolic ministry in the Word of God right now, do we not? We have the Holy Spirit, do we not? Please. We still struggle. We see through a glass dimly. We barely get a handle on the image of things going on. This is why I told you a few weeks ago, we're dealing with the extremity of two mysteries, the mystery of iniquity and the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now, if a man don't have a handle, if a woman doesn't have a handle on the mystery of the kingdom of God, you show up don't have a handle on the mystery of iniquity. You can never identify its markers. You cannot, you cannot demonstrate its framework, its methodologies. You can't identify its strongholds. And we know it because the enemy has been working in the midst of our world for a long time. And people act as if he doesn't exist. Listen to me, child of God. I got about 10 more minutes. Listen. That average Christian you talk to acts like there is no such thing as a devil. Yeah. The devil has worked wildly to do two things. To get you to believe that he doesn't exist and to get you to question God. Those are two very precarious positions to be in. You're questioning God's providence, his sovereignty, his promises, his control. But you're not questioning the devil. I hear, I very seldom hear Christians talking about that devil. You know, old saints used to talk about him all the time. Like they could see his image and his imprint, his tail and horns and pitfall and whatever other imagery they would use, phenotypes. Today, the devil doesn't exist. He has worked, hasn't he? 
And that's exactly what he wants to do because he's a parody of God. The true and the living God is invisible, impenetrable, unapproachable, except through the mediation of his son and by the power of his spirit and through the codification of his word. The only way you can know God is through Christ, by his spirit and in his word. The only way you can know the diabolical wicked one is through that same word. Jesus knew the devil existed. He made him. As soon as Jesus was conceived in the womb of his mother, Mary, the devil came after him. It was so fierce they had to run Jesus down to Egypt. Then when he was born, they had to move all around, end up in the hood. I understand that narrative. I really do. Because they were trying to get him down in jury. Because they knew the book was talking about a Messiah in that day. And they were killing every child two years and under. What a horrible period of abortion for the religious folk whom it didn't bother a bit. And Jesus stayed hid until his bar mitzvah. And after his bar mitzvah, he's suddenly working with his daddy as a carpenter because he believed in being a man. Get a job, boy. A real job. Work even before you preach. I might as well start jabbing at some of these preachers right now. Right, demonstrate a skill set. Demonstrate levels of competency for for uh, self-provision. Demonstrate that you have some rule over your own life before you talk about ruling somebody else's life. Prove that God is with you in that and will bless you in your job, in your endeavor, in your prospects, in your goals. And then after he has blessed you in the physical dimension because of your submission and obedience to him, then maybe you can talk to somebody about being a leader over them. After you are approved of other men who have already laid down these principles. Am I making some sense? And after you have learned how to provide, then become a protector of a wife and children. Be ready to lay down your life for that crazy woman that's saying, I'll be your wife. That's crazy. But that's the way God works. It's a crazy, is it a crazy world? Brother Mac, is it a crazy world? That woman was crazy when she said, okay. 40 years ago, crazy. But what you're saying is you will be a wife. You will support that man. You will support him in everything he does to bring in the security that a home must have. You're not fighting against him. And y'all both are going to set a context so that if you should have children and God has to bless you with them, they don't have to actually go out and work at five years old. That'll come home in a minute. That's the way God set Israel up. He set the, when he brought his firstborn out of Egypt, he says, son, I'm going to give you a, a territory. All you got to do is work it, boy. Oh, yeah, and that's going to be plenty of sisters around, so you ain't got to worry about getting married. And then you two have to operate within the covenant parameters. Oh, and by the way, 
I will be with you and no one will stop you and you will multiply and you will fill the earth and you will bring me glory under that hierarchical structure of obedience to the word of God. But if you violate my word, all the plagues that have come on Egypt and Babylon and Medo-Persia and the Grecian kingdom and the Roman empire will come upon you too. And so it is in the church today. Church is raggedy. Am I telling the truth? It hurts, it's the truth. And I say it because we will never recover until we return to the true and the living God. I don't care how much politicking you do. God's not going to bless any kind of political endeavor that doesn't first start with repentance. I can tell you that right now. He will never bless all the efforts that we engage in politically until we repent. It won't happen. It won't happen. A demonic betrayal of divinely appointed by God. This is the little optic that we get in the warning about Judas Iscariot. John chapter 12, verse 2. Now notice what it says. Now Judas Iscariot is in the band of the 12 with Jesus, is he not? And they're fighting a spiritual battle, are they not? And the master's about to be taken, is he not? And these boys have been worn out after three years of military training. And guess what Judas does? Trade sides. You know what Judas is? Out of order. Judas is out of order. He's out of position. Listen to the language. There they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus is one of them that sat at the table with him. That's Christ. Let's keep going. Then took Mary a, a pound of spikenard, very costly, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Verse 4. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's sons, which should betray him. Verse 5. Why was, this not, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Out of position. Out of position. Out of position. He dared to equate practical provision for the poor with the worship of the most excellent savior of the world as if there is a comparison. He just exposed his diminished view of Christ. Did he not? Out of position. Out of position. But we already knew Judas Iscariot was headed down the road. Jesus had called him a devil. The son of perdition a while back, hadn't he? So all it takes is pressure for people to get out of position. And the next thing you know, they're acting like devils. This is a very serious issue here, ladies and gentlemen. When you and I are in darkness, your job is to stay in your lane and not move. Right. You don't, you don't presume the next orders. You keep the orders that were given in, to you because the orders were designed for you to walk in the light or in the darkness. God, for God, the light and the darkness are alike. His plans are not contingent upon whether it's dark or light. Is that true? And if he's the captain of our salvation and he tells us to walk a certain way, it doesn't matter whether it's day or night, is it? No, you just do what he says. 
You just do what he says. And this is why our text is so instructive to me where we are in the Gideon account. There's some, a few more messages we're going to bring here that are absolutely powerful. But here's what the word of God says one more time as we close this out. First Corinthians chapter 14, 33. I want you to hear it because whether you know it or not, you probably don't. The book of the apocalypse actually closes out with the church going apostate in that first century Judaism and becoming the great harlot church of Revelation 17 and 18, and God giving that church over to the destruction of the very beast that it sits on. Some of us know that language. Here it is. For God is not the author of what? But of peace as in all the churches. And here Paul is correcting an abuse of the use of the gifts in the church. Is he not? correcting them because people love to play childish games. Remember what he says? If you are taking your gifts and using them the wrong way, you are not mature. You are a child. That's what we are today. That's exactly where we are today. And so the warning of the Midianites is is apropos. You will see that as we move down the line. Third point, I want to quickly move on. I should be done here. Third point, the triumph of the sword actively. We see it over in verse 20 of our text that he blew the trumpet. There are four things that are obvious. The angel of the Lord confounded the enemy. Would you agree with that? Right. Think about that for a moment. Psalm 35 gives us a full discourse on this. Uh, But think about this for a moment. For them to blow the trumpet, it still required God to go before them in the person of the angel of the Lord to create, create so much chaos among them, right? Wouldn't you say that? What is 300 men to 120 plus men? All right, so listen to what your Bible says over in Psalm uh, chapter 35. I just want you to hear how David explains this in Psalm 35. I just want you to grab this because this is a promise you can take too. When you're fighting battles and the battle is bigger than you, child of God, this is the kind of prayer you can pray. Now, you probably never prayed this prayer before, but I, I think if David can pray it, you can pray it. Can you do that? Listen to what David says in Psalm 35. I'm going to read verses one through eight. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. See what I'm saying? Man, I can start right now. Listen, if you had a church that was walking in repentance and obedience to God and hitting their knees and asking God to forgive them, have mercy on our rebellion, on our wickedness, would not God then stand up to plead our cause? And we'd be bold enough to say, Lord, plead my cause against my enemies against them that fight against me because we would know they're fighting against me isn't because of my rebellion because God told me don't fight in my rebellion only fight in my obedience verse 2 listen to verse 2 take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help what is the metaphor God is a man of war he now is flanking you He's taking up shield and sword and buckler in your behalf. What a graphic prayer. Lord, fight my battles for me. Look at it. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am. Preach to me, Lord. Preach to my soul. I am your salvation. That's what David is saying. Lord, preach to me. Let me know that I'm not going to perish. Well, that's powerful. 
Here it is, verse 4. Verse 4. Let them be confounded. There it is. And do what? Put to shame that seek after my soul. Has it ever happened to you? Has God ever come through for you on your behalf with your enemies who tried to drown you and destroy you? And God confounded every one of them, caused them to lose their mind. And I was all because you were in Christ, because that's exactly what God did for Christ's enemies. He made it where they could not agree, could not agree, could not agree. They killed him without agreement. God has done that for his people for thousands of years now. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that divides my hurt. We're seeing some of that right now. That's why we're trying to stand still for those of us who've been fighting this battle for the last two years. We're seeing it, are we not? And we're still praying, Lord, continue to confound them, continue to show them they were wrong, continue to open up their eyes to the reality that they bought into a lie. Help them to see, oh God, that they have abandoned your principles. That's what we're praying right now. That's what we're praying because we are seeing it a little bit. But the Bible tells us, do not rejoice when your enemy falls. So we can't get proud. But we can hope. And we can stand. And we can continue to tell the truth and not live by lies. And not live by lies. Because that's what this administration wants us to do. Buy into the lie. Notice what it goes on to say, verse 5. Let them be as chaff before the wind. Remember, we're going back to Gideon. What was he doing? Treading out the corn. Separating the chaff from the wheat. Let them be like chaff. And that's what God promises for all those who don't trust him, right? Like the chaff. Notice what it goes on to say, and let the angel of the Lord do what? That's what's going on in our text in Judges. The angel, how they running? The angel of the Lord is chasing them, creating chaos and confusion, causing them to lose their identity, causing them to not be clear on friend or foe, causing them to stab one another. Really, if we sat on that verse, so many of them died right there that eventually the rest had to just run. Now, we're going to pick that up next week because Gideon will be calling the Ephraimites in to help him finish them all. And then they're going to ask for Gideon to be king. There's going to be some lessons there because next week is first Sunday. Gideon, Jerubbaal, is going to be asked to be the king. And that's because the feats that he's performing now are a foreshadow of the work of Christ in our behalf. Christ is the one that chases our enemy. Christ is the one that destroys our foes. Christ is the one that bears our judgment. We're sitting back at home hearing about the battle. By the time he calls, it's almost all done. We're just in on cleanup. You didn't save yourself. He saved you. By the time the grace of God came to you, the enemy was already subdued. The remnants of the flesh you have to fight against. You do. We're still in a battle with the flesh. We're still in the battle with the principalities and powers of this world. Don't you fool yourself. 
We're still in a battle for the glory of the triune God. We are. We're in the battle for God's elect to be brought into a state of salvation just like many of us have been. Am I making some sense? We're still in that battle. Now, all of those categories I've just shared with you are battles that require you to have a faith that works by love. We're still in the battle of the flesh. That means you have to have a theology of suffering so that you don't turn your flesh into an idol and begin to worship yourself. We're still in the battle of a satanic system bringing darkness to our world. That means you and I have to bear upon it with the truth of God's word because we have to cast down every imagination, every doctrine, every ideology that presents itself against the knowledge of the truth. In other words, child of God, you got to be able to say that's not right sometimes. We're still in a battle for the exaltation of Christ through the gospel. The gospel still needs to be preached in all of its fullness and glory because we've got loved ones that are not saved. Do you hear me? They're not saved and we can't be content while they're not saved. Now, all this requires a faith that is fueled by love. Because if our faith is not fueled by love, our faith is impotent. And we will be easily distracted. We will be easily distracted like so many Christians are. So what does that mean? Are you ready? What that means then, saints of God, is that the vessel that carries the torch which is our mortal body. This fleshly body carries the torch. But we have this glory, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, in earthen vessels. My physical humanity, my physical person, my personality, my qualities, my characteristics in all of their limitations and in all of their potential. This is a physical body. It's just a vessel. It's not an iron vessel. It's not a bronze vessel. It's not a silver vessel. It's not a golden vessel because if it were, it couldn't be broken. Your body and mine is a clay vessel. And it's designed to be humbled by being crushed under the will of God for his glory. So according to the way it it, it ran itself out, the first thing that happened was the trumpet was blown. And that is a proclamation that Christ is coming and that God's people gather to him under the blowing of the trumpet. I don't know if you know it by metaphor. Every time we gather together, the trumpet is blown. That's Numbers chapter 10. So the spiritual ear can hear the trumpet blowing when God is calling us to sit under instruction and prepare us to fight the battle when we leave. Only when you and I leave, we have to submit ourselves one more time to the humility of our vessels being broken in order for the light to shine in darkness. Yeah, it's called submission. 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 That's the thing we don't like because we're all kings and queens. 
But if God's going to really use you, he's going to have to break you. He's going to have to break you for your son, break you for your daughter, break you for your brother, break you for your sister. He's got to break you because you don't have anything in you worthy of commending except the light that God placed you in Christ. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes, that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.